0: It's Monday, June 20th. Ryan Jesperson here with you. John Hicks riding shotgun on this June 20th edition of Real Talk. Thanks for making time for us. Kind of feels like a bit of a Monday morning. We got to kill our studio monitors. Want to make sure the whole building doesn't hear this thing. Or do we? (laughs) I always kind of think we can provide that service. If you share a building with us, you can get Real Talk on a much more uh, visceral level.
1: Grandiose scale.
0: You can feel it through the bricks and the hardwood.
1: This content is free.
0: <laughs> How was your weekend? You were uh, you were uh, spinning tunes. You're the official DJ, of course. We just we you <laughs> unveiled this a short time ago for the Edmonton Elks of the Canadian Football League.
1: Yeah, it was good. And I told you, like they had a closer game this weekend, but close, season
0: opener, season home opener against the Riders.
1: Great crowd, great vibes, but close doesn't get you any points. So an improvement. Yeah. Uh which is what you know we wanted to see from the team but not a win yet. So still looking for that first home game win in like I don't know what it was like 16 games or something now.
0: Yeah. It's, did it's did, a lot. did you feel like there were people in the stands that were kind of thinking okay so the um uh, you know it's been like eight losses at home and the you know there's like new quarterback, people want to know, oh, new yeah. coach, new front office everybody but most people are thinking to to be quite honest new DJ, yeah. you know, <laughs> no, what What tunes is he going to be spinning? What did you open I, with? What they're... was the very first tune that you sent out through that massive center speaker at Commonwealth Stadium? Do you I remember can't what the remember, first tune was?
1: But their new intro song is is kind of a remix of Industry Baby by Little Nas X. It's got some trumpets, some fanfare at the start, but the crowd was really into it. So I'm looking forward uh, to this season. But yeah, we're still just... Hanging by a thread because we were we were in the lead and then late, it was close. late in the fourth. You yeah, know, it was close. Riders, come Where, back do you or...
0: go down like do you do you have the, you have kind of your big shot lanyard pass that oh, gives yeah. you all access and I you go to, you go, go down there and show the pass that you, people are like, excuse me sir, and you're like excuse me.
1: I go right in the locker room. they like, say,
0: boys, no, boys, just... <laughs> what do you want to hear? <laughs> no. How does that work though? Because uh, certain like you've worked in the NHL, you've worked all I over have... the place. My understanding is that some teams. Or maybe some athletes in particular would say, we want to skate out to this or we want this tune during sure. warm up whatever. Is it the same in football?
1: It is. I got. I got. You know. Obviously, warm up tunes sent to me. But I'm still. I'm still getting the lay of the land at uh, Commonwealth, right? Like it's yeah. a whole new with the, with the uh, Rogers Place. I've been there so long. I know where everything is. So right now, I get to Commonwealth. I go right to where I'm supposed to be, and I kind of just hang out there. So
0: you got to wait till you settle in before you yeah. start acting like you own the place. I
1: got to learn where all the back doors are. <laughs> yeah, you
0: got to get it all figured out.
1: Spots. You know.
0: <laughs> yeah, good stuff. Well, it was a, a a beautiful weekend. We saw photos we love when people tag us in your photos and. uh, Saying hello a lot of you celebrating Father's Day I know for some of you Father's Day is a tough day And you let us know as much on that front too We love it that's real talk Uh, Keeping it real you know what I mean
1: I didn't say happy Father's Day You're a double father now so happy Father's Day
0: Thanks Belated Yeah what I was doing here was I was sort of creating conversation along different lines And then watching the clock And thinking I'm going to see how many minutes It takes John to wish (laughs) me a Happy Father's Day (laughs) And every minute past 8.30 AM mountain time. I was like, oh boy, he's getting himself into an 8.36. Here we go. Six minutes it took you to wish me a happy father. No, I was sincerely interested because I knew a bunch of buddies were at the football game and and I asked them how the atmosphere was. And they said, well, you know, it's building. And I was like, how was the music? And they were like, the music was pretty good. It's getting better. It was you know? pretty darn good.
1: I, well, I was telling walks from the hedge pod. Andrew Walker. Come, yeah. Yeah. It's different because I'm used to hockey. So you play like the pump up on the offense. Right. And then sure. the defense, you're trying to like kind of play the fun or lower key stuff. It's exact opposite in football. Defense is where you want to pump the crowd up. You don't keep prevent. Prevent the scoring, right? So it's a little weird, but I'll get—I'll get it.
0: See, I don't even think of this stuff. Yeah. So I love it. You—you you take us to another level. Charles Adler coming up in, in just a little bit, and uh, we're going to talk to him. I—I don't—I was going to say he's been picking fights all weekend. That's not accurate. <laughs> People are picking fights with him. On but he's—yeah, on Twitter. Yeah, I, I don't—I know. I hope not in real life. But uh, well, we'll ask him. You never know. But it's kind of, it's funny but not funny, and I'd rather just say this to him, so I'll save it, but he's getting people all, from all sides of the political spectrum saying, what's your deal, Adler? Calling him to the carpet. Nobody, and and to, in my mind, that's a sweet spot to be when you're a political commentator. They're trying to pin him down, and they can't.
1: You don't want to go toe-to-toe with ads.
0: Do you? With the Titan to talk? In the ring. And then we've got the uh, paleontologist out of the University of Edinburgh today that was the scientific advisor for the New Jurassic World Film. Steve Brissati is going to join us. I can't Super wait Super excited this. about that. This is going to be great. We've got a Stanley Cup final edition of Positive Reflections submitted by Peter this morning. I had a different story I was going to tell you. Peter's is way better. I love it. It's heartwarming. It's kind of sad. And at the same time, it'll fill your heart and it'll make you smile. It might make you laugh. That's great. Presented by Kubi Energy. We're going to take a look at our most recent question of the week, the results, find out how you're all feeling, not just about attending movie theaters, about going to indoor venues right now, but also what you're most excited to see this summer. Have you seen a summer film yet? (laughs) When's the last time you went to a movie in a theater?
1: Oh, sorry. I'm laughing at the uh, the chat here. Uh, oh. But uh, I have not been well, to you gonna a movie. Well, you're going to tell us sp- what it was? Well, it was- <laughs> Jillian says someone should play pump-up music like at the games when I walk into my math class. Are you ready to learn? She should.
0: <laughs> she can do that. Set it up herself. Have the Bluetooth speaker in the classroom. <laughs> yeah. Maybe have maybe like deploy some... Uh, smoke with some fog (laughs) at the door before the teacher walks in
1: uh batman the batman i went and saw the batman how was was it last it was longer than expected i didn't know it was three hours and Uh. my wife was like you didn't tell me this was three hours i'm like i didn't know but yeah uh, very good very good for like you think you know robert pattison like
0: yeah, he, Twilight.
1: He got into the role though. Yeah, he really got it. Even the voice.
0: What's well, fa- what a fascinating franchise that? How many different Batman have there been? There's been tons, right? Affleck. If I start to list them off, I'll forget Kilmer, about it. But Michael Keaton. Keaton. Uh, yeah. Well,
1: Kilmer. <laughs> Perfect.
0: This show is presented by our friends at Bitcoin Well. And they wanted us to let you know that they've got a new online product that you can now facilitate the purchase of Bitcoin using e-transfer. We never tell you to buy or not buy Bitcoin. I don't tell you to sell it if you have it. I tell you if you have questions about it to ask their team. Benny's the guy I go to. But if you're looking for the fastest, safest way to buy Bitcoin online, you can check out the details at BitcoinWell.com. You can sign up for an account there, and then you can buy with e transfer takes like two minutes to set it up the first time and then every purchase after that can be done directly from your banking app it's the ultimate one touch bitcoin buying experience you can sign up to buy with e-transfer at bitcoinwell.com today and you can learn more about the company by linking to their website under the sponsors tab on ours that's ryan real talk
2: starts right now here's ryan jesperson
0: On the chat, Haas says he went to a movie about three months ago, says Me and the Ex. I wonder if that's your Haas going to movies with the ex or the relationship has changed since the movie. I don't know. Why did I focus in on that? That was a weird thing to focus in on. Haas says we had the entire VIP theater to ourselves. That's always such a special treat to walk in and you're the only person in the theater.
1: I've never had that.
0: It's very rare. You've had it. Yeah, it seems to happen like if you go like on a you know you go on like a Tuesday at a matinee time or something like that. Maybe you get a movie theater to yourself. Lucky. I'm curious to know. We're we're sort of talking movies and teeing this up before we get into our question of the week data, which is interesting. It might feel like a bit of a reverse order, but we've got uh, the RTDNA Lifetime Achievement Award winner ready to check in in, in, in the ongoing game of where's Chuck, We find. <laughs> Charles Adler, one of Canada's all-time greats when it comes to talk radio in the beautiful province of Manitoba this morning. He's back center, back in the center of Canada. How you doing, buddy? How was your weekend?
3: Anywhere in Western Canada is home to me. With all due respect to people in my hometown of Montreal and Toronto and all of that, the West is still the best. Well, this is this tees
0: up nicely, and we didn't plan it, and I don't think you're meaning to give me the in here, but it seems to me that people are trying to figure you out over the weekend. I've been, I've been keeping an eye on your Twitter. I don't know what is going on. But it's like if people were saying, like, you know, he's from Montreal, he's one of us. And then others might say he left Montreal, he should stay the hell out of Montreal. And then someone might say, well, he's in Vancouver. ah He left Vancouver. He used to be in Vancouver. People are saying the same thing about you politically right now. I don't know why. I think it's because he had a few kind words about Michelle Rempel-Garner, the conservative MP out of Calgary, that's considering taking a run at Alberta's premier's office. Right. I mean, that's what started it, isn't it? Forgive me,
2: Father, for I have sinned. I said <laughs> yeah, I something kind about
3: Remple Garner. Uh, My God, you know, it, it was it was because of June and Pride Month and Michelle Rempel Gardner, For those people who aren't aren't blocked, okay, I I know that you know she she blocks enough people to to fill the entire fleet of FedEx and UPS. I get <laughs> it, I get it, I know that. Uh, so I got about five thousand reminders of that. Why Why are you talking about someone who blocks uh, Canadians? Blah blah blah. Anyway. Uh, I said something kind about her. It's Pride Month, and so Michelle Rumpel-Garner downloaded her her positions, uh, which have actually uh, helped to create good policy, in my opinion, for the LGBT community. Uh, One of the particular causes uh, that I support is uh, getting LGBT people who are in trouble in places like Iran, where they're not just persecuted, where they are murdered, okay? And I'm for allowing them into our country, I think they make for great uh, Canadians. That's one of the causes that Michelle Rempel Garner supports. So, just because I support her on a particular thing and said something kind, doesn't mean that I support all of the different things that, that she has done. I know she's done this this, this Buffalo Declaration. Um, I've spent I don't know two or three minutes before I I found it to be boring as batshit. So no, I'm not for the I'm not for the Buffalo Declaration. I don't even know she's still for the. Buffalo Declaration. Probably I know. Not. You know we, sometimes you know we have our friends. I mean Michelle Rempel Garner. I think it was a friend. I think of Danielle Smith as a as a, a long friend. And sometimes it's difficult to to you know separate the, the friendship from the policy. Sometimes you're reluctant to criticize because they're your friends. But you know Danielle uh, Smith now is is flirting with uh, you know sovereignty or separatism or wanting Alberta to do what um, what Quebec uh, did because of course people only read the headlines about Quebec. They don't go through the process. I lived in Quebec. I lived through all of the consternation, the conflict, the bomb threats, the all of it. It's really, really messy, um, and and it involves constant fighting. And my God, if 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 someone wants to be elected the leader of the U the UCP, and they want constant fights, whether it's fights with academics, whether it's fights with the feds, whether it's fights with the courts, including the courts in Alberta, if someone just wants to be for the unions, if they just want to be fighting all the time, with all due respect to my friend Danielle Smith, just just keep Kenny there. I mean, Kenny lives for fights and he doesn't even care whether he loses 99% of them. I, I want, you know, um, something that I guess is boring to some people, you know, trad- what I call traditional mainstream progressive conservatism i'm a capitalist i mean i I want businesses to prosper especially small businesses like ryan jesperson's business for instance thanks pal that's why i want to buy a ryan jesperson real talk cap let's just stop wearing this thing that i bought at mountain co-op a hundred years ago and i'm in a fight with ryan jesperson right now because i want to pay I want to support the business. His business, his family business. Uh, well, I've always supported family business. He doesn't. He doesn't want to let me pay for it. I would. I would encourage everyone listening right now. If you want to support Ryan Jesperson, don't just you know click him on. I mean, we love the millions of clicks. Uh, some of the most uh, clicks in in, in Canada. That, that's wonderful. i I love participating in that. every now and then, you know, shell out some coin, buy some merch, some merchandise, like like a ball cap that that I want to buy. Uh, but uh, at the moment, as I say, I'm in, in conflict with Ryan. Well, Charles, n- nobody's going to believe we didn't set this up,
0: but we didn't. And uh, you're the only person I've I've fought with uh, to try to get you not to pay. But if you want to go to RyanJesperson.com and you click on Merch, and then you'll be able to see all the merch that we have available, including our Real Talk toques, our fitted tees, our Crescent mugs, Charles, our vinyl stickers, our snapback caps, Love our golf
1: it. balls. Those snapbacks. <laughs>
0: And more. And, and we're going to be giving away some of this at the Real Talk Golf Classic coming up on Thursday. I can't believe, why are we not flying you out here for Thursday for the Golf Classic? You could be the guy, you could be at the starter station announcing the foursomes teeing off. People would lose their minds to hear that. <laughs>
3: I like it. Folks, you heard it today. <laughs> You can buy Ryan Jesperson balls, Ryan Jesperson <laughs> yes. golf balls. Yes. Go to RyanJesperson.com and click on, on merch. But you know, just to be serious about this for a moment, you know, eighty percent of the jobs that are created, you know, in the capitalist world, let's call it democratic capitalism, capitalism with a safety net and all of that, eighty um, percent of the jobs that are created are by small business. People always focus, especially in media. I don't want to be a media basher. I'm in media. I'm in the glass house, but. You know, people in media always focus on the giant corporations. It's like they used to bug me about working for corporate Canada uh, because I worked for different media corporations. I never thought of myself as working for those corporations. I thought of myself as working for small businesses, most of them family businesses, who supported what I did, and I supported what they did. I'm doing the same thing right now. I'm supporting Ryan Zesperson and all the small businesses and all the people who want to support uh, small businesses. What's wrong with that?
0: Yeah, you know what one of the things that was jumping out at me is that I see that you you posted what I didn't think was like a, a an endorsement, but you basically said what sets Michelle Rempel Garner apart from many in today's conservative movement. You make the point. You said this does. You point to her post about Pride Month. You say I get that people who've been blocked by her will want to ratio me for saying it, and they did. But in today's environment you say it takes courage for a conservative to take this position on this issue which by the way we can dig into that why it takes courage uh, to say something pretty obvious something empathetic something that you would expect from an elected representative and so a bunch of people and and I'll use like small l liberal I think uh, people that wouldn't identify as conservatives or probably wouldn't hold conservative membership a lot of them were piling on you saying hey hang on a second Adler I thought you said goodbye to the conservatives. I thought you went on the record and said you're no longer. What? What the hell, man? And, and they were they were pretty upset at you. And then, I look a couple of days later, and and now people are ripping on you. Uh, f- For not being conservative Now Now people are saying, I- here's me This is Mel Fluis or Mel f. Lewis or whoever on Twitter says Here's me thinking Adler's a staunch but thoughtful conservative You took a swipe at Alberta's premier Jason Kenney this weekend uh, Says so many of his tweets now have me wondering where his political beliefs are And now you've got it coming from the other side So you've got the conservatives pissed off at you You've got the liberals pissed off at you uh, This wasn't how it always was for you, right? It wasn't <laughs>
3: I was never, you know, the, I, what do I criticize the conservatives like like Kali? What do I criticize them for? I, I criticize them for attacking our core institutions. That's not what conservatives do. Radicals do that. Uh, crackpots do that. I mean, look, I, 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 whether, whether you, me, any of us who are professionals, we could go on a mainstream, so-called mainstream radio station today and just attack uh, a prime minister, whoever the prime minister is, it doesn't matter, attack him every day, attack the central banks, Attack academics, attack uh, school teachers. We could do the attack, tack, tack, attack thing all day long. Judges, throw them into the pile. And I can guarantee you a ten share, a twelve share, a fifteen share, depending on how big the uh, community is and, and what the, what the competitors are doing. But the point is, I can guarantee being the number one act on radio at that moment, simply by doing the attack, the attack, the attack. So I understand all of that. I understand the media business and the political business, but I also understand what it is to be a citizen. And as a citizen, I do not want the premier of my province or the prime minister of my country in a 24-7 battle with every crank and and crackpot and kook that may want to listen to talk radio and once again comprise about 10 to 12 percent of the available audience. I'm not trying to dump on the listeners, that's not the point. I just want to say that there's something beyond the so-called base whether it's a talk radio base or a political base and I just want my country back. There it is. I'm going to use the slogan that the right uses, you know, take Canada back, mm. okay? Because of course the Americans have done this forever, the right to take America back. I want I want my country back. I want my country back where we have 90% of the people Agreeing on the facts, I'm not saying that 90% belong to a party or vote for the same party, but they at least agree on the basic facts. Right now, we're living in 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 a society where millions of people are involved in an alternate reality, and they're encouraged to be in that alternate reality where they feel victimized and persecuted 24/7. I don't want to live in that kind of country, and and that's why I'm saying what I'm saying right now. Yeah, we're throwing in some humor, we're throwing in some jabs. We're having a little bit of fun because we're Canadian, we're conversational, and we're casual. But there's a very, very serious thing going on in our country right now. Millions of people are turning off reality and turning on to something else. And frankly, to me, that's no different than getting hooked on a drug. Why does someone take a drug? Because they want a mood alter. They're not happy with the mood they're in. So we've got drug dealers right now, Mm. thought dealers, Dealers of, of addiction involved in the political process. I know that some people think that that language is a little too strong, but let me tell you something. If you start avoiding reality, and I saw this a lot growing up in Montreal with separatism, you know what Daniel uh, Smith calls, you know, sovereignty and uh, demanding that we only follow the laws that we think are appropriate and not following other laws. By the way, um, there, there's an old Western term for that. It's called outlaw. Okay. I don't want outlaw governments. I want governments uh, to be lawful. But in Quebec, I saw situations where people divorced themselves from reality in order to be separatists or sovereignists or independentists or whatever they wanted to call themselves. But they divorced themselves from reality and in doing so, divorced themselves from their families and their friends. No different than people joining up with a cult. I don't support cults. I support mainstream Canadian thoughts.
0: I told this to you before, I thought we uh, I brought to, so far we've spoken to a couple leadership candidates, uh, Rajin, Sani and uh, Leela here. And, uh, w- you know, we hope to speak with most, if not all of the candidates for the leadership of the United Conservative Party. You know, I mean, the winner uh, becomes premier. It's a big deal. It's a big opportunity and obviously leads this party into the next election. And uh, and I told you I, there was this uh, account Occupy Calgary that sent me a response when I announced, I think it was when Leela was coming on. It doesn't matter which one it was uh, announced that Leela was coming on the show. She actually made her announcement. She was going to run on real talk. And this person or this group tweets at me and says, whose side are you on anyway? <laughs> and I thought, what a strange thing to ask a talk show host. What side are you on? Like, I mean, it's different if I'm bringing on Vladimir Putin, you know, to <laughs> ask like, like it, is it really wrong to invade you? You know, is this really an invasion? <laughs> you, know, we're, you know, we're going to both sides this one with Vladimir Putin. Yeah. That's not nah. what we're doing. Uh, and I thought, nah. and I didn't respond to it. I guess I am now. But I thought, whose side am I on? I I, I didn't know how to answer it without being a prick, to be honest with you. Uh, but But it's a bigger picture. Like, to me, that's indicative of a bigger picture problem right now that you can't just have – conversations with people I'll sit down and have a conversation with someone with whom I vociferously disagree Uh, as long as the content of our our conversation is is not offensive or harms somebody um, I think it's important now more than ever before to be able to hash things out to be able to consider other perspectives. And damn it, Charles, I'm not going to let it happen on our watch. I know this audience isn't going to let it happen. We've got to insist. We've got to stick and dig in our heels on this one. We've got to make it a point to connect with people that we disagree with, to try to better understand where other people are coming from. I I don't know when this started falling out of favor with people, this approach. It, It seems to me we used to do this all the time. I don't think that this is a new or novel concept.
3: I'm on Canada's side. Uh, Canada is still a moderate country where even if we disagree with each other on politics and culture and religion and all those wonderful boxes that we check off, we still have a fundamental respect for each other and a fundamental love of Canada. I love Canada, and I don't want Canada to be turned into one of those shithole countries, one of which I was born in. Mm. That is not to disparage the people in the country but the government of the country, I was born, born in Hungary, right next door to Ukraine, right next door to um, all of those basket case countries uh, that ended up behind the Iron Curtain, okay? And I'm a refugee from there. I'm a refugee from tyranny. I know the difference between tyranny and freedom. I have lived all my life with people who have PTSD because they lived in countries that were tyranny. So yes, I object strongly and strenuously any Canadian, whether they're calling themselves a leadership candidate, or whether they're just calling themselves a regular Canadian, or whether they're calling themselves the member of a convoy. Anybody who declares that this country is a dictatorship because they don't happen to like Justin Trudeau is doing something injurious to the country. Yesterday was Father's Day, and I was asking myself the question, How many fathers who are into the convoy, into calling the country a dictatorship, how many of them are selling this crap, okay? How many are injecting this mental drug into their children? When you're an 8-year-old, 9-year-old, 10-year-old, you believe that daddy is the most honest person in the world telling the truth. You've got no filters at all. You grow up with that bigotry, then that's what it is, bigotry, and then you pass it on to your children, Multinational, multi generational bigotry is something that we deal with in this country on a whole host of issues. But unfortunately and tragically, and I don't want to be, you know, Debbie Downer here, but unfortunately, on Father's Day, I was forced to think about my dad and how much I loved him and how much I did think of him as the most honest person in the world and how disappointed he would be in seeing his fellow, some of his fellow Canadian dads, injecting bigotry into their kids the kind that was injected into the dads of his country, and that bigotry resulted in his dad being exterminated. Sorry, once again, I don't wanna be a a downer here, Ryan, but I, I think that this country has got to have a serious conversation about how we talk to our own children.
0: Tracy says, my 17-year-old daughter told me that today's politics is all about avoiding people who are capable of critical thinking. Uh, She thinks that folks don't want to read or think. They just want to blindly follow what's popular. Glenna says that you're right on this, Chuck. She says, I'd never uh, vote conservative right now as the kooks, cranks, and Trump-lite base are members there. It's okay to have an opinion, but not to think we all agree with malcontents. Interesting. Luke says that you disappointed him, Chuck. He says that you rudely called people narrow-minded on Twitter for pointing out that Michelle Rumpelgarner's part of a party that's problematic for LGBTQ2S plus people. Luke says it was condescending. Let, let's talk about that for a second. How do you... I'm Because you're a talk guy, right? You're, you're the, the way that you use your words... I mean, people think... Uh, some of the stuff you come up with, I'm just like, geez, it's just another level. I mean, it's a real talent. Uh, at the same time, sometimes you pull the pin and throw a grenade like you do. And I do too. And sometimes you wind up in hot water for it. Sometimes it lands and makes the impression you're hoping to make. So what do you say to someone like Luke that says, yeah, it kind of felt kind of condescending?
3: Well, look, you know, when, when I had my, my thing with Kenny, let's just call it the thing, tired the thing. I had the thing with Kenny, all kinds of people who call themselves progressives, you know, were, were thanking me and coming over to my side. And some of those progressives, some, uh, the extreme woke progressives, can't tolerate, just like the right can't tolerate um, someone complimenting someone in the center or left, uh, I'm talking about the far right, well, you get got the, the, the far left wokey guys who can't tolerate the idea that I've said something kind about Michelle Rempel, who is their sworn enemy. And so I said to some of these wokers that that was a narrow-minded attitude. Now, okay, fine. So some people think of that as condescending. If I have to be careful with every single word I use, and yes, I do admit my imagery is vivid, okay, uh, I don't appreciate people who are boring and bland. You know, there's there's only two rules in radio. Tell the damn truth, okay, tell the goddamn truth, and don't be boring. So those are the two commandments that I have, you know, stapled to my head at all times. So I'm sorry, Luke, uh, I chose not to be boring, I chose not to be nuanced, I chose to say to a narrow-minded perspective that it was narrow-minded. Are you going to movies? Are you a big movie guy? Have you been going to movies this summer? I uh, watch I, 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 I watch movies on TV. I, I support a pay-per-view. I support streaming. I don't spend enough time in theaters.
0: No. Johnny and I were talking about that magic moment that you get every once in a while. Some people probably never. It's like hitting a hole in one on a golf course. Some people will never feel it. Uh, And some people have hit like six. They're the worst. And uh, you walk into a theater and you find out you're the only one in there. You got the whole theater to yourself. Has it ever happened to you?
3: Of course. Of course it's happened to me. I spent years in theaters, uh, you know, double features, uh, triple features. One of my uh, one of the one of the big perks of uh, living in, in Florida, there was this uh, movie theater in Largo, just a, you know the the Gulf the Gulf side of Florida, and um, you could get into the movies for one dollar. Yeah. Now you know Canadians have been very good to me, and Americans have also been very good to me. But it doesn't matter. Uh, I'm still uh, the, the the son of a tailor, where we're always tapped out, where we're always you know one paycheck away from poverty sure. and 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 that too is, is is kind of a staple to the way i think so to be able to see a double feature for one dollar was a very big deal for me plus of course florida it's always hot it's always humid and the one dollar theater in largo had wonderful air conditioning sometimes i didn't really give a damn what was on the screen yeah it just felt so nice to get out of the humidity as long as they're layering the butter on the large popcorn, that's all
0: I care about. Uh, it's you always bet. great to see your face, my man. Thanks for doing this. We'll see you in a week. Thank you very much. You got it. You can follow Chuck on Twitter at Charles Adler. Uh, Luke follows up. I appreciate this live chat. Sometimes I like to have it in front of me like a stock ticker so we can just follow along here. Not all the time, but sometimes Luke says, for context, this is what Charles said. And I did see this tweet. He says, you are precisely. Charles said, you are precise. This is when people were piling on him. So Charles said, like, hey, Michelle Garner did that. You, got- you can go search if you want. Uh, But he basically said yeah Michelle Rempelgarner is doing this this is kind of what I like about her a little bit or whatever whatever he said And, and so Charles responds to his critics by saying you are precisely why some progressives are seen as intolerant you never accept half a loaf never try to build a bridge never trust compromise and never achieve anything with no due respect take your scolding and patronizing and park it in a fetid corner of your narrow world I mean that is Adler painting a picture for sure what he's getting at, I understand, because I feel it too, and uh, and I'm sure that you do in your own world, in your own context. The idea that these days, it seems like, I don't know. Well, I mean, it's all summed up with what I said. I have a conversation with a respectable, reasonable, quite frankly, affable politician like Leela here, and people are asking me, whose side are you on? Like, I'm interviewing you know, Adolf Hitler during World War II. Like, it just, it, it just to me, and quite frankly, I don't want to host the kind of show like that. I don't want to hang out with friends like that. I don't want to support a political party like that. I, I don't want to roll in a group like that where it's, it's my way or the highway. It's us or nobody, you know? Wear your team colors, paint your face, that's it. Fuck everybody else. It's not my style. And um, I don't sign up for it. I don't subscribe to it. And uh, criticism like that, to be quite honest, it it just misses with me because uh, it doesn't represent a perspective that that I hold, a perspective that I share, which is that we need to basically team up and gang up and shut out everybody else. I think it's kind of to a certain degree why we got ourselves into this mess. I've been talking to somebody, uh, uh, you know, an executive coach, a mental health therapist. She's brilliant and uh, my perspective is enriched from meeting with her and she talked to me, John, we had a conversation a couple of weeks ago about the, the trend to, or the tendency that people have to dehumanize mm-hmm. others. If you disagree with someone's perspective or someone's approach to something, uh, you dehumanize them. It's you, kind know, of- you you, you want to sort of degrade them or talk down to them or put them in a position where oh, yeah. they seem so foolish, so incapable of rational thought or logic that it elevates your perspective or makes you feel better about your beliefs and, and it's a dangerous way to operate. It's running rampant on social media too it is.
1: because people are so separated that they feel like like you said like they can't they can't envision someone else's point of view. They can't put themselves in their shoes and I've tried to remind myself of this all the time now is just okay, why does this person have this opinion? Maybe something happened to them in their life. Maybe yeah. someone they were close to uh, you know, had something sure. wrong with them, or maybe they passed away, or you—you you never know what people are going through. But you're right; like people are just treating each other like, yeah, like they're nothing. These I want to
0: days. call it out, and and if you see it on the show, call us out on it. Like you know, we want to have these. These conversations. We we didn't call it real talk by accident. We want to have these conversations. I love this from Tracy. This isn't this is like the best kind of feedback to get. She goes, why on earth did I not know about Charles Adler until recently? (laughs) Tracy (laughs) says, I feel like I've been under a rock. Thank you. Uh, Tony says, you know, you have to have everybody at the table if you want to hear their, you know, whether you like their thinking or not. We need to hear all sides of the conversation. It has nothing to do with sides it's having the conversation, which is great. I love her other comment too. Before that, where she said, "I could use boring right now
1: in politics." The Aww. political climate is hurting my brain. It's so true. Like everything has to be so hot button now. It's like yeah, you can't have just a a normal, quiet conversation with two sides going. I'll talk now, and you talk. It's got to be like a riot. Let me build understand. on that comment
0: and say I don't mean this in an. <laughs> I'm about to say I don't mean this in an unflattering way, and then I'm about to say something very unflattering, but. <laughs> what I mean is like you know so so that audience member chimes in and says I could use a little boring in politics right now yeah. and I understand what they're saying and and that's why I was curious to see out of the gates how Jean Charet might do with the conservative leadership the federal conservative leadership and I'm not necessarily calling him boring I don't mean to call him boring we appreciate the fact he did an interview with us and I, I thought he represented himself very well but he's like a steady stable choice. Mm-hmm. And I think that conservatives that would support him, or maybe Patrick Brown, I don't know, or or, or whomever else, uh, might just be looking. Can we just get somebody that's like capable, reasonable, credible?
1: Can we calm things down for a bit?
0: But it looks like the party's going to go with with the soundbite guy, yeah. right? Which is it's fine. That's I mean that's the, that's a party leadership race. That's what you do. You know the members come together, which is who should have it. Should be the members. But it should do. be the members that decide. Here's the tone our party's going to take. I. I'm just not convinced it's a it's a smart choice. I don't think it's a winning strategy, but but I could be wrong. Pierre Polyev very likely could be the next Prime Minister of Canada. It I, is I, possible. I don't think, fool yourself and think it's not.
1: I think he is too. But can you imagine a world? Like everything's getting so heated, so and in the States too, things are so polarized, like I I'm afraid we won't see like a two term president for a while right huh. now down there. Like can you see a world in a few years where like Pierre Polyev is prime minister and Donald Trump has a second term. Like what is going to be happening? Like what? What in it's the hard world to believe be that it's on? possible,
0: but it is a very likely possibility that Trump could be president again, scary. which blows my mind. Um, Luke says, listen, Jess and, and we don't usually go to like one audience member for five comments. But this is like I feel like I'm having a conversation with Luke, which is great. And Luke, we're happy to have you tuned in. He says, just well, I agree, which is why I thought it was dehumanizing to say to somebody with no due respect, take your scolding and patronizing and park it in a fetid corner of your narrow world. That is um, correspondence by Flamethrower. I will acknowledge that. And Luke will take your point. And it's awesome to have you here conversing with us this morning. I appreciate it. Haas, by the way, followed up. Said he went to a movie with his ex and they had the theater. And, and he followed up, by the way. I saw this during the interview. What did he say? Said his ex is one of his best friends. I love wow. hearing that. I love when people are able to there's make gotta that work. Be. Gotta That's be fantastic. Especially if there's kids involved.
1: That's There has to be a child involved. I don't think there has to be.
0: Uh. You don't think it's positive? Are you well? I mean, you're you're a happily married man now. I don't want to back you into a corner here with a question, but no. do you have any like? Do you maintain any positive relationships with exes? No, no, no. no. Yeah, okay. I don't You know, no. that's a tough one. It's a I tough mean, sell. Maybe
1: there's. I I don't want to think of them now or bring them up, like acquaintances or whatever. But you,
0: you know. want to name some names and talk. about You want to get into? Yeah, let's,
1: let's call them up. Let's maybe call, we, them
0: call them up on the on the Zoom. Shoot them the Zoom. We can talk about maybe why the relationship didn't work. But I out. could
1: understand if you had a child. Help. You yeah, want, You want that to work
0: Yeah, Not always possible, sometimes it is uh, We're going to talk to Steve Brusati, paleontologist He's joining us live from Edinburgh, Scotland Look at him, he's ready to rock Okay, so here's what we'll do Why don't we leave the question of the week results on the table till the end of this interview Because he's sitting here ready to go I'm not going to leave him sitting here uh, But right now I want to remind you that our friends at Kubi Energy You can get your free solar quote today at kubienergy.ca There's going to be something in common I'm about to mention four of our sponsors All four of them are going to be out at the Real Talk Golf Classic coming up on Thursday at the Ranch. We still have three foursomes available. I'm giving you exact numbers right now. We have three foursomes left. If you want to be there, we want to sell this out in support of the Real Talk Julie Roar Scholarship. Kubi Energy is going to be on site. Can't wait to see them there. Uh, And we thank them for their sponsorship of the tournament as well. You know, the federal government just announced $40,000 interest-free loans for homeowners that are looking to install solar or other energy efficiency measures. Now, that's above the $5,000 existing rebate from the feds and the $4,000 from the city of Edmonton. So if you're doing math, that's almost 50 Gs up for grabs right now. Go to kubienergy.ca right now. They can tell you how you can leverage that Available funding to maybe go green in your house your property it doesn't have to be your home. It could be your barn It could be your cottage. It could be whatever could be Energy.ca. Our friends at Sherwood Dodge are gonna have a Jeep parked on hole 14 It's my favorite par 3 on the course. I played it yesterday Didn't hole out, but if somebody does on Thursday, they're gonna win that Jeep for free. No strings attached It's not one of these bull type tournaments where they say you win a car and then you win like a one-year lease. No, you win the Jeep if you hole out. That's courtesy of Sherwood and St. Albert Dodge. You can browse their inventory online today. Follow the links on their website or you can go to the sponsors tab on ours at RyanJesperson.com. You can go see them in person as well. Tell them that Real Talk sent you. Mike and his team at Eden Landscaping are going to be out there on Thursday. I can't wait to see them swinging the sticks. I bet you that there's nobody that's going to care more about the fairways. Like If, if Mike takes a divot playing at the ranch. I would imagine he's going to get right over and make sure that he cleans Fix up it that up right. Immediately. That's what Eden Landscaping does. They bring outdoor spaces back to life. Hey, eh? at landscapeedmonton.ca you can browse their portfolio, check out their services. You may not need a full landscaping job this summer. Maybe you need just a retaining wall or maybe you need some excavating done or whatever it is, fence work perhaps they do it. You can get your free quote today at landscapeedmonton.ca. And our friends at Friesen Brothers, how cool is this? They're going to be rubbing shoulders with the St. Albert and Sherwood Dodge teams on hole three, uh, 14 on that par three. So you're going to have the Jeep park there. And then Friesen Brothers has this huge outdoor grill they're bringing out. Going to do sausage on a bun. This is the Ivan's Sausage. Yeah, it's a special recipe. You can only find it at Friesen Brothers. This one, for real, you can only find it at Friesen Brothers. <laughs> little little joke little tape. joke for the regulars. Let's check the tape. You can get Ivan sausage yourself from The Real Butchers at Friesen Brothers, 16 locations across the province of Alberta, and we're thrilled to have them supporting us. Coming up on Thursday at the Real Talk Golf Classic. Well, our next guest is an absolute legend. I love talking to him. I learn something every single time our paths cross. He's a paleontologist. He is the scientific advisor to the new Jurassic World film. How cool is that? And he's got a brand new book out as well, which we're looking forward to getting into with paleontologist Steve Brussati, author of The Rise and Reign of the Mammals. Thanks for making time for us, my man. What time is it in Edinburgh as we speak? Well,
4: Thanks for having me, Ryan. Ever since we talked about my first book a few years ago, you've had me on a few times. I always love talking with you. Uh, it's a it's about 4.15 here uh, in, in beautiful, sunny Scotland, by the way. So this is a rare day for us. It's about 20 degrees and it's sunny. Here. One so, of the most. But I'm, I'm glad I'm indoors talking to you.
0: <laughs> okay, well, well, we'll get you back outside for happy hours so you can enjoy patio time. But uh, I'm grateful that you made time for us. Edinburgh is, is like, honestly, of all the cities I've uh, been to in the world, one of my most favorite there's something about it uh, it's just absolutely special i was there like 25 years ago though is the is the grass market still a thing
4: oh of course yes and there's probably even more pubs down in the grass market than there were back when you were there it's a it's a very inviting city i gotta say as somebody who moved I, here i'm from the chicago area you know originally but i've been here about 10 years wonderful city, very welcoming place, very welcoming people, a lot of dinosaurs and other fossils we can find nearby. So really? I'm very fortunate to have landed here,
0: yeah. Okay, so yeah. I'm, I'm assuming, correct me if I'm wrong, but you moved there uh, to pursue an opportunity with the University of Edinburgh, is that right? And, and, and like as a paleontologist, this part of the world is a region of specific interest for you?
4: Yeah, that's right. Uh, in this university academic world there's not a whole lot of jobs you got to be opportunistic when ones come up and when this university you know this university here goes back to like the 1580s you know this is one of the great universities of not just of scotland or of britain or of europe but really of the world so when a place like this uh, put out a call for jobs i of course, uh, left at that. And then when they interviewed me, I was so uh, so, you know, overjoyed. And then one thing led to another. And here I am and I've been here for a decade. And you know, it's been great because it, you can find a lot of fossils around here. You, you probably don't think of dinosaurs and mammals and other fossils when you think of Scotland. But in fact, there's there's a lot here. So it's a great place to research, a great place to do field work uh, and a great place to teach.
0: I am going to ask you just a dumb question. But maybe, and, and I bet you that my almost seven-year-old could answer it, but it's been a while since I read my books on dinosaurs. But are, are there, when it comes to, you know, we were talking, for example, about elephants this weekend, me and my little guy. And, um, and and there was actually a horrible story, it gets dark for a second, of a woman who was trampled and killed by an elephant in her village. Oh. The elephant actually came back to the memorial. Have you seen this story? It's weird. The elephant oh, no, came came that. back, That's burst out of the jungle. Oh, wow during the memorial and tried to interfere like it was just wild anyway so we're we're talking about this story and he says well how did the elephant get out of the zoo and i say well it's not in the zoo it's in the wild and then he was learning he's wrapping his mind around. okay elephants in that part of the world are in the wild or baboons in this part or we have grizzly bears or they have anacondas whatever right so when it comes to dinosaurs was it was it were there like you know where we are we see a lot of around drumheller obviously as if i need to tell you there's 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 a lot of remains a lot of discoveries and a lot of digs Certain types of dinosaurs were th- were they location specific, just like like the mammals are, just like the reptiles are. Were there certain dinosaurs in certain parts of the world?
4: Yes, there were. And so, dinosaurs as a group lived everywhere. They lived all over the Earth on every continent. Uh, but there were different types of dinosaurs in different places, uh, and especially at the end of the age of dinosaurs, the, the Cretaceous period, the time when that asteroid came down and ed- ended the reign of dinosaurs at that point the continents were more or less in the positions they are now so north america was separate from europe and you know so on so there were very distinctive dinosaurs in different places and canada had one of the most charismatic dinosaur communities of all there were tyrannosaurs there were horn dinosaurs there were duckbill dinosaurs the dinosaurs that uh, looked like tanks with armor all over their bodies all of those things were living in canada Uh, in the Cretaceous, as were many mammals. And that's the side of the story we don't always get because we often obsess about dinosaurs, including me. You know, I mostly studied dinosaurs in my career, but over the last few years, I've increasingly turned my attention to the mammals that lived with the dinosaurs and then took over from the dinosaurs, the mammals that managed to make it through that asteroid impact that killed off T-Rex and all the other dinosaurs, and then had a new world take over afterwards eventually that's what led to us so those mammals are are fascinating to me that's really the whole point of the rise and reign of the mammals the new book and there's some amazing mammal fossils of these these small little mammals living with the dinosaurs that come from canada
0: okay so what are we talking about here and and i guess the most obvious question is what made the mammals uh so special or or so well equipped able to uh, to withstand this this obviously what do you call it? A traumatic experience. I mean, obviously the, 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 the impact of this asteroid, it was like a one hit kind of a thing that literally wiped out millions of living beings on the planet, but not these mammals. I mean, can you take us into it? This was probably without hyperbole, uh,
4: the single worst day in the history of earth. This was a six mile wide or about 10 kilometer wide rock that was just hurtling through outer space on a random trajectory. It could have gone anywhere. But it just so happened to smash into what is now Mexico with the force of over a billion nuclear bombs worth of energy. And that unleashed chaos, you know, instantaneously, tsunamis, earthquakes, fires. And then all the dust and grime from the explosion went into the atmosphere, blocked out the sun. The earth went cold and dark for, for many years, maybe even a decade. It was a nuclear winter. And so, this, this was like a one, two, three, four, five, six, you know, infinity of punch for the animals. They had to deal with so many things. And so uh, about 75% of all species died, including all the dinosaurs except for birds. So T-Rex was there. Triceratops was there. They didn't make it through. But there were some mammals, some ancestors of ours that faced down that asteroid. And the first mammals actually evolved at the same time as the first dinosaurs, about 225 million years ago. When the dinosaurs went big, the mammals stayed small because the dinosaurs kept them down. But because mammals were small for so long, they had to be adaptable. They had to be resilient. And it was learning how to live at small size, in the shadows, being able to hide, being able to grow fast, being able to reproduce fast, being able to eat lots of different foods. That was the winning hand of cards when that asteroid just so happened to fall out of the
0: sky. Okay, so most people will hear this on the podcast, so we'll do our best to describe what we're seeing here. People watching on YouTube, it'll be obvious, but you've sent us some images from your new book. Uh, amazing, per usual, very interesting stuff. This one kind of looks like a sloth. Is that yeah. what this is? It is a sloth? Why is this a mammal significant? This
4: is my favorite fossil mammal, and it is, Ryan. You're totally correct. It's a sloth. You can kind of see it looks like, a little bit like one of those cute, cuddly sloths from down in Costa Rica you might see on TV, on the nature shows. Some of the cutest animals of all, just hanging up there in the trees, just eating and eating all day, sleeping all day. You know, they're, they're really cool. We have them in the zoo in, in Edinburgh here. They're, they're some of the most popular animals. This is a sloth, but this is a, a prehistoric sloth, and it's a giant sloth. And you can't quite tell from that image because there's not anything next to it for scale. But imagine there's a basketball hoop in that image. And the sloth would be as tall as the basketball what this was a 10 foot tall sloth that lived on the ground that walked on its knuckles and it lived during the ice age and it lived in canada and it lived in the united states it lived really throughout the americas and it was part of what we call the megafauna these giant woolly mammals that lived during the ice age they only went extinct about ten thousand years ago our ancestors early homo sapiens members of our species knew these animals saw these animals encountered them hunted them and it was really probably because our ancestors hunted these giant sloths and woolly mammoths and saber-toothed tigers and so on that they ultimately went extinct
0: i would i would think that uh, a 10 foot Sloth would be the least likely animal to survive on planet Earth, considering how slow they move. Uh, what was it? Was it the hiding? Was it the access to, to treetops? I mean, what, I, hard to imagine a 10 footer way up high in trees. But what was its secret?
4: There were there have been a lot of different species of sloths over time, just like there have been lots of different species of elephants and lots of different mm-hmm. species of cats. And what we see today is only, you know, a small remnant of all the mammals that have ever lived. But these giant sloths, you know, once humans came on the scene, these things were just, you know, they were sitting ducks, sitting sloths. <laughs> you know, imagine how easy it would be to, to, to get a, you know, a meal for you and your entire family for probably, you know, many weeks, many months even on end if you took down one of these animals. And they were so slow that they probably would have been pretty easy to hunt. So really it was game over for them. You know, their death warrant was signed and sealed at the time humans evolved but before there were humans you know these giant sloths they were they were animals that ate plants they would stand under the trees uh just eating and eating all day they were they were you know just complete like you know plant munchers (laughs) plant vacuumers that was what they did they were kind of like some of the big dinosaurs in a way some of those big dinosaurs with long necks they would have just sat around with their necks up in the trees just eating leaves all day and these sloths were in
0: a way, the mammal equivalent of that. Wow. Uh, Let's take a look at another one of these. I'm I'm fascinated to learn about these specific ones. And and you chose, Steve, which images you were going to send us. So I'm assuming that these are kind of ones that that you think might be especially interesting to talk about. Let's take a look at this one. This is, I don't don't know what you, I mean, what is this thing? This sort of a reptile, obviously, but tell us what we're seeing here. It looks like it has the jaws, the snout of a T-Rex. Yep.
4: So this is called Dimetrodon. And if you look at it, it really looks like a reptile. It kind of looks like a crocodile crossed with a T-Rex, and it has this big sail on its back, sticking up like a big fan. Uh, this, this was a big animal. It was, you know, weighed several hundred kilos, and it was a scary animal. It was a top predator. It was an apex predator at the top of the food chain. You can see in the image here uh, those, those big, uh, spiky, sharp teeth. Now, you might think that this thing is a dinosaur, and in fact, it's often uh, appears in uh, dinosaur play sets. You know, on, you see it on dinosaur posters, in dinosaur books. You're also going to see it in a certain dinosaur film that's just come out in the cinema. Ah. In Jurassic World Dominion. But it's not a dinosaur. This is actually an early relative of mammals. It is one of the ancestors of mammals. This thing lived like 300 million years ago, give or take. And it was one of the earliest members of our family. This was one of the first proto mammals that lived after the mammal line split off from the reptiles on the great family tree of life. And that's why it still looks pretty reptilian because
0: it was such a primitive animal. But But Steve, it would have had like live birth. So you would live birth. It's young.
4: Not, probably not. It probably still laid eggs. Okay. And, and in fact, some mammals today, like the platypus in Australia, still lays eggs. Right. So, so the primitive mammals laid eggs, and it's only the more advanced mammals like us that uh, develop this way to give live birth. But when you're looking at Dimetrodon, you know, that's that's the kind of animal mammals came from. It doesn't look anything like a mammal. It doesn't have a hair. You know, it's clear. It's not a very smart animal. It's not a very agile animal. Its limbs are sprawling out sideways. It would have walked like a lizard or a crocodile. It would have been very slow, very ponderous. But that's where the mammal line started some 300 plus million years ago and those animals believe it or not through all these twists and turns of history through rising temperatures and ice ages and Changing sea levels and volcanoes and asteroids. Through all of this, it was those animals that evolved, that developed, that changed into mammals, ultimately culminating in us and six thousand other types of mammals that are alive with us
0: today. Absolutely fascinating. I, I love it. This this one I want to ask you about before we get into the movie that you worked on, which is uh, what a cool opportunity that is. But what a unique looking animal here. You you can see obviously how the how the elephant would have would have evolved from this, but it looks like kind of a. What is this? This looks like something that maybe uh, Hunter S. Thompson would have drawn.
4: (laughs) Yeah. Well, before I tell you what it is, I I should just give a shout out to the artist here. So we have this incredible artist. He's a friend of mine. Uh, Todd Marshall is his name, and he's one of the best artists in the world for envisioning what prehistoric animals would have looked like. And Todd has a background in rock and roll art, video game art. So he's great at bringing these characters to life. So I'm very fortunate that the cover of the book, has Todd's artwork. It's an Ice Age scene with mammoths and saber-toothed tigers. There is one of those giant sloths on the cover. And then each chapter opens with a new illustration of Todd's. And that's these ones we've been looking at, the sloth, the dimetrodon, and now this elephant. So Todd's really brought these animals to the fore. And this one is one called Dinotherium. It is an elephant. You can tell it, you know, it looks elephant I guess that's the word, right? It's big. It has the the long, sturdy legs. It has the trunk coming out of its nose. But it's different from today's elephants. Its tusks point downwards and backwards like they're a bottle opener or something, you know, like they're reversed on themselves, like they're twisted back. And so this is an example of a huge elephant that used to live that had very peculiar tusks. There have been many species of elephants that have lived over time, and they differ in the types of tusks they have. Some have big tusks, small tusks. Tusks the point forwards, the point upwards, the point backwards. And the first elephants, believe it or not, were just the size of miniature poodles. And so imagine a tiny little elephant you could have as a pet. That's where elephants got started. And then over tens of millions of years, they got bigger and bigger and
0: bigger. I would give anything to have a miniature poodle-sized <laughs> elephant that I could keep. That would be absolutely unbelievable. So, Steve, what's the uh, – I mean, this is a, a totally an unfair question to ask you because I know that you you, you cover a million angles in your book, and, there, and there's so many things we could discuss. As you mentioned, 6,000 uh, species of mammals walking planet Earth today, approximately. Each one of them has its own lineage, its own story, its own significance. But – but when it came to the rise and rain of the mammals, A, is it a rain that continues to this day? Is that how you would assess it? And, and, and B, kind of what's, what's a real point of significance with regards to how mammals were able to, to pull it off?
4: Definitely mammals still rain today. And I know these, these are, you know, bombastic words, the reign of mammals, you know, the age of dinosaurs, I these love kind it. Of but you know, they convey uh, the same kind of thing when we talk about human history, the age of different dynasties and so on. Um, Mammals are very important animals today. Again, there's over six thousand species. They live all around the world. They live on land, they live in the water, they move about in the air. You think of uh shrews and mice and, and moles and gerbils kind of on one end of the scale, all the way up to whales. And you think of everything in between, all the dogs and cats and bats and elephants and monkeys, and of course us you know, and then there's kangaroos and possums and these things that raise their babies in pouches the marsupials. There's still those few mammals like the platypus that lay eggs. This is an incredible diversity and mammals fill so many roles in ecosystems on land, in the ocean, all around the world. And that is a sign of just how important mammals are today. We are a small part of that, uh, but it's not just about us. And I, the thing that blows me away when I think of mammals, it, it's it's, of an obvious fact but i think we don't appreciate it enough and that is that the very biggest animals today are mammals and in fact uh they are the biggest animals that have ever lived in the history of the earth these are things like blue whales these are mammals the size of submarines they are bigger than any dinosaur ever got and i don't i just don't think we appreciate that enough that we live today with the biggest animals ever and on screen here if you're watching on YouTube, You can see that's a friend of mine, a paleontologist, Travis Park, who studies whales, and that's him in a museum next to the skull of a blue whale. And you can see that it would take like four Travises, you know, stacked on top of each other to equal the the length of that skull. This blue whale could swallow Travis or me or you, Ryan, or whoever, like a piece of popcorn. I mean, these are massive, massive animals. And imagine if they were extinct. And all we had were some petrified bones. I think we would hold whales in the same esteem that we hold dinosaurs. So I think we need to appreciate them and make sure that we don't lose them to extinction.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I share your passion for that. Uh, for me, it was scuba diving. It was just it was being in the water. And uh, like you hear humpbacks calling to one another when you're diving and uh, you just have chills rolling down your spine. And uh, anyway, I I could go off on this for like 20 minutes, but I won't. Um, Wyatt, my little guy, taught me something which was amazing, which is that a blue whale's tongue is the size of an elephant, which to me was a bit of a perspective check on how freaking big those things are.
4: It's crazy. All this hyperbole. And, you know, they're babies. Uh, A blue whale, when it gives birth, its baby is like the size of a speedboat. Uh, yeah. And by the way, I mean, it's a placental mammal like us. It gives live birth to big babies. So it has, a, it has a big placenta in its belly that links, you know, the mother to the baby, which means they have umbilical cords, which means that blue whales have belly buttons. Isn't that a, <laughs> a
0: crazy? So fact? Cool. You know? So Isn't cool. So cool. Oh, I love it. Hey, listen, before we let you go, and by the way, people are asking, where can we find the book? Where can I buy the book? Anywhere you get good books, right? It's out. It's yeah, on so shelves can, now, Steve.
4: Any of your local bookshops, of course. Uh, Indigo has been a great partner for us in Canada. They're some of my favorite people. Uh, and then, of course, Amazon, you know, has copies. But it's it's pretty straightforward to find, The Rise and Reign of the Mammals. If you can't find it, hit me up on Twitter. I'm just at my name, you know, at Steve Brussati. Uh, and uh, I can I can point you in the right direction.
0: Good course. stuff. So you, how do you find your way uh, in, into this, this Hollywood game? Because how cool is it to be a scientific advisor for the Jurassic World Dominion film? How did this come about?
4: It's totally surreal. It's really one of the, the honors and the, the privileges of my career to have a chance to do this, to bring the science that we do. Uh, the research that we conduct the fossils that we find to bring that knowledge to the big screen to a, a summer blockbuster movie that hundreds of millions of people are seeing around the world and it came about just really randomly and i feel so fortunate because uh four years ago the last jurassic world film came out it was around that time that i wrote my book and published my book, The Rise and Fall of the Dinosaurs, which is when we first connected back when I was visiting Canada to promote that book. And, uh, and I very graciously interviewed me from my hotel room. I'm in Toronto. <laughs> yep. and, uh, and anyway, that book, you know, my editor was very savvy. If we had a dinosaur book, he wanted to release it a little bit before Jurassic World came out, of course. And so uh, a few months later, I got a, a, an email from a guy purporting to be Colin Trevorrow, a name I recognized immediately as the director of the Jurassic World franchise. And uh, it was a quick email. He just said, hey, I I read your book. Uh, I make scientifically inaccurate dinosaur films. He said that. It was really funny. <laughs> and uh, and And I'm going to be coming up to Edinburgh uh, in a little bit. I'd love to meet up and talk dinosaurs. Now, of course, I thought that was a fake. I thought one of my students was just like pulling my leg, you know, but we looked into it and it's like, whoa, this really is Colin. So we we talked on the phone. He did come up to Edinburgh for the Fringe Festival, the big arts festival. He came up with his family. Biggest in the world. The biggest in the world. A lot of fun. Does shut down a lot of the city in August, so a lot of the locals get annoyed. Um, but uh, it's a great, a great festival. Like, you know, Colin came up with his family. He's an American guy like me, but he's moved here to the UK, so we really hit it off right away. And he told me right away, "Look, you know, I'm starting to write the next film. I want to bring a bunch of new dinosaurs into the film. I want to finally put feathers on some of these dinosaurs, make them look the way that you know you scientists know they look like." Uh, And do you want to help me out with it? And I said, absolutely. And so that led to this consulting gig. And it's really fun to now see the film in theaters, to see these new dinosaurs and these feathered dinosaurs rampaging across the big
0: screen. Yeah, I I, uh, specifically wanted to ask you about feathers. Because my understanding is that T-Rex was, and other dinosaurs were covered in feathers, right? And uh, that's typically not how they're portrayed by humans and by artists. And I would imagine you're consulting on not not just what the dinosaurs looked like, but also probably how they moved and how they hunted and all that kind of thing. Um, was there any moment that you're willing to tell us about? W- was there some, uh, some scientific feedback that you provided that the Hollywood Brain Trust said, Nah, we got to keep it how it is. It's got to be a little scientifically inaccurate to work for the plot or to work for the film.
4: They never told me no about anything, you know. So my job was really just to answer their questions. And um, it's not like I was in the room when everybody came together and said, how are we going to make this answer? So I gave them the information they needed. I always felt it was my job to make sure that the real science, the real fossils was always in the ears of Colin, of the writers, of the artists, you know, of the Hollywood movie magic people. Uh, so they could just consider that information alongside everything else they had to consider when designing a big screen monster movie dinosaur. I mean, you know, these things are characters. They have to be engaging. They have to be relatable. You have to be able to identify them immediately on the screen because a lot of these dinosaurs kind of look alike. Of course, they're Jurassic Park dinosaurs. They're in the Jurassic Park universe. The first film nearly 30 years ago established a look of Feel of these dinosaurs. So all of that stuff has to go into the cauldron when these folks are deciding how to portray these dinosaurs. So the science is a part of it. They were always very interested in the science, very uh, respectful of the science, very curious about the science. I had so many good questions, and they knew their dinosaurs. Colin and his team, and you know the artists, people like Kevin Jenkins. John and David Vickery the, the guys behind it their names don't get said you know as much but they all deserve tons of credit they brought these dinosaurs to the screen these guys were all really interested in the real science so I had a receptive audience I gave them as much information as I could and uh, then they put it all together to make these dinosaurs and more than anything I was just very happy to see feathers on these dinosaurs and yes as you mentioned we know a lot of dinosaurs had, Feathers. We even have dinosaurs from Canada. There's some dinosaurs from the Drumheller area that have been found. Their skeletons preserved with feathers around their bones.
0: Very cool stuff. You would have been like what, like about ten-ish, approximately, when the first Jurassic Park came out? Nine.
4: I was nine years old in nine, nine. 1993. Yeah, I remember seeing the film in the cinema with my dad and with my brothers. It blew us away. The special effects were just. And this is what like younger people today don't realize when I talk to young kids you know just how awesome those special effects were and how different how, how far beyond they were any other film that had come out by that time So that was a an experience I'll always remember in the cinema.
0: Yeah, so true. So cool. What an opportunity for you. Congratulations on the new book. Uh, it, it feels to me, yeah, you're 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 getting right around patio sort of wind down time in Edinburgh. So we'll let you go outside <laughs> and enjoy that fresh air. Thank Steve, you. it's always such a pleasure to uh, a viewer right now by the name of Rose is saying she just loves how the passion is so evident with you oh, in your choice you. of profession. We'll call it your calling, I guess. Right. Yeah, I,
4: yeah it's definitely my calling. And I love doing it. I, and I love talking about science, and I love, you know, whether it's writing books, whether it's doing chats like this, I just love... Uh bringing the science to anybody who's interested. So it's always a pleasure, Ryan. Thanks for all these opportunities to chat and, uh, you know, good luck with everything I you be- on Twitter and, and you keep me updated with what's going on in Canada, by the way, just see in your Twitter feed. So well, really we
0: appreciate thing. your interest and it's always great to hear from you. Uh, I'm going to be the guy in the theater when, I, when we go to see the new Jurassic world, I'll be leaning. I know the guy that did that. I, I know that guy. Yeah, <laughs> He's my buddy. Thanks, Steve. Have a great week. Thanks Ryan. Cheers. Yeah, you Take got care. it. That's Steve Brissati, yep. uh, originally out of Chicago, uh, Chiming in from the University of Edinburgh in Scotland, where he's obviously a professor, a paleontologist, and author *The Rise and Reign of the Mammals*. People pleaser
1: on the uh, chat today. What's everyone loves when Steve stops?
0: Oh man! Well, how can you not be? It's like I don't care. We could
1: talk to him for like three hours.
0: Yeah. So what we'll do is we'll we'll follow this formula with real talk. We'll we'll talk like politics and poison. And then we'll just talk about fascinating, cool, bucket filling kind of stuff in the back half of the show. So it was that? great
1: to cool off the first part <laughs> you know, of the show with that. I know.
0: I know. <laughs> That's great. And then, and then I, I see our good bud Donal here in the live chat he goes, Jurassic World Dominion, meh. We'll see. I haven't seen it yet. I don't know. Jury's out right now. Um, I also see there's some excitement here from Peter from Wainwright, Alberta, uh, who's cheering on the abs right now in the live chat. (laughs) Peter actually submitted our uh, positive reflections, which is coming up in just a second. And Peter, we're really grateful for that. It's a Mm. heartwarming story. It's an unusual story. Never heard a story like this before. Uh, really caught our attention. We, we rewrote Positive Reflections this morning when we got Peter's email. Before we get to that and before we get to our question of the week results, we'll take a quick look at how people are feeling about summer movies. I want to remind you that an opportunity to to save a bit of money for your family, an opportunity, as a matter of fact, something you got to pay for, you might as well pay less, right? Park power. That's the pretty simple message. It boils down to this. You can compare rates easily on electricity, natural gas, and internet Today. Take A look at what you are paying versus what you could be paying with them. You bundle them together, you save even more, and then you use the promo code 2022 real talk when you sign up at parkpower.ca. You save $70 off your first bill. Feels good when your utilities support local, they donate 10% of their electricity profits to charity. You get to pick which charity yours is going to. How cool is that? Like, I don't see the other big players doing that when it comes to natural gas, electricity, internet. Uh uh-uh. uh, Park Power does. That's why we're proud to partner with them. Our friends at Local Environmental were out in Sturgeon County. I was pretty excited on Friday to host her worship, Alana Nachu's Mayor's Invitational, the Mayor's Golf Tournament out at Sturgeon Valley Golf Course. Beautiful. Local Environmental was out there with the Shot Ski. John, nice. you're familiar with the technology course, yeah. that is the Shot Ski. Uh, four glasses obviously drilled into an old ski, and they served garbage juice. What? Yeah, the garbage juice is the shot they poured. This vivid green. Actually, it perfectly matches the green in their logo. I said, what's in this? Mikkel, their CEO's out there. I say, what's in that? He goes, it's a proprietary secret because we can't tell you what's in there. I said, is there kale in there? He goes, no kale. There's a no kale guarantee. It's got kind of like a watermelony, kind of like a honeydew melon type taste to it. I thought you
1: were going to say they were repurposing waste into like...
0: <laughs> no, no, no. No, it was, it was it's all... It's been filtered uh, a million It's, it's FDA approved. And then I couldn't quite get a feel for it, like what it was, and so I asked I needed a second shot ski to sort of Yeah, that's honeydew melon I'm tasting. <laughs> Local environmental was there to celebrate their acquisition of Calahu waste. The company's growing and it's still family owned, which is awesome. You still have that small business feel when you deal with them at localenvironmental.ca you can find them online. Our friends at Infinity Healthcare They've built their whole business on trust, on premier care, and community-based services. It's the unique and personalized combination they offer. You can learn more at infinity-8.ca. You know, they can work with you to use existing, available funding through public health care provision to ensure that your family gets the home care provider you want, not the one that's assigned to you. Uh, maybe maybe it's your nana, or maybe it's your papa, Heck, maybe it's your son or daughter that needs help. Maybe there's a language barrier. Maybe there's a cultural sensitivity. Maybe there's something else at play and home care has been a disaster for you. Infinity wants to help you figure it out. You can find them online today. Again, on our website under the sponsors tab, just look for Infinity Healthcare. And what are we thinking with regards to promoting Dairy Queen today? John, I want to give you the option. It's dealer's choice. It's the chicken strip basket we're talking about today. I shared this information with you earlier. I'm not sure if I was... Allowed to? I don't think it matters to let you know that Dairy Queen, when you talk about North American poultry, Dairy Queen has first crack at the birds. They get first choice, which means that all those other quick service restaurants, all their chicken products, that's what Dairy Queen didn't want. The chicken strip basket, the best in the business, bar none, ask anybody, and you can order it today at the Dairy Queen's in Palisades, De Mayo, Newcastle, Westmount, and Baseline Road, and oh yeah, Dairy Queen's going to be at the Real Talk Golf Classic on Thursday at the Ranch with their double dilly shooters.
1: Well, they're actually just dilly bar shooters, but I'm going to ask them to double. But if you up have two me. of
0: them, it's the double dilly. Yeah. I think we just went on the record saying we're going to overserve, which is we're going to have to <laughs> that's correct not that. going to. That's not what's going to happen. That's not going to happen at all. As a matter of fact, I'm actually
1: planning. I'm telling you this. Way, I'm planning to like maintain because we've got we've got a full day. Then when there's a dinner at the end. Yeah. Like this isn't just get there and, yeah, let's go. You gotta, It's going to be a nice
0: blend. You're going to want to pace yourself because we got the steak shooter. dinner. You have the dilly bar shooter. We have the steak dinner.
1: Have a water.
0: Have a mix in a water.
1: Have something from a food truck.
0: Yeah, pop by and the Real back. Talk. You and I are going to be on hole four, mm-hmm. uh, cranking the tunes. And uh, Which we're, we're, we're going to have center some treats of- there. And we're going we're gonna to be offering... Sparkling water. It's to kind of golfers. in the center of a bunch of yeah. Holes, when right? you make some it's noise, gonna... they'll hear you on three or four holes, which is awesome. So yeah. Johnny's going to be spinning the tunes. It's going to be a great day. Our friends at Y Station handle our real talk. We call it our get real question of the week every week. And last week, we wanted to ask you about theaters. How are you feeling about summer blockbusters? But more like going back into buildings. Where are you at? Let's take a look. These are the results of that survey. And some jump out ones are kind of interesting two out of three of you that responded said that patios are your most anticipated activity this summer patios no surprise there I would have had the same answer I think tis patio season just under half of you are still heading to the movies just under half 47% of you said that you're you're, this is in the context of COVID it's in the context of you know relaxed restrictions and that kind of thing how are you feeling 47% of you back in theaters the most anticipated movie of the summer John I'm not surprised at this Are you (laughs) <laughs> not at all. I don't think so. It's Top Gun Maverick. I haven't seen it yet. I feel like I'm the only person that hasn't seen Top Gun yet. Wanted to see it yesterday. Didn't get out though. Yeah. Eighty-two percent of you, that's four out of five, said the word is spelled theater, theatre, T H E A T R E, the Canadian the British spelling, not T H E A T E R. Eighteen percent of Real Talkers going with the American spelling. Oh. Uh, which is pretty interesting.
1: I'm sorry. Yeah. Sorry did not spell it correct?
0: Was that you? <laughs> no, it
1: wasn't.
0: Me. I'm always fighting autocorrect. I'm always fighting spell correct. People are going to say well, why don't you just set it to Canadian or British spelling? I know what you're saying, but Yeah. I think it's important to hold to it. Well, I I was
1: born in the states, right? So I always think like like you I You
0: had to make the adjustment. I
1: have to add the u all the time. There's a lot of like ou. Oh my
0: gosh, it must take you so much longer to send text messages. No,
1: it's fine, but I always think like I I just my brain's the opposite way,
0: so. We asked for other activities you're looking forward to participating in. One of you working from your summer office, which is your patio. They say you say there will be many afternoon beverages consumed at the summer office. You want to get into meetings in the morning with this person. <laughs> Another one of you, I love this. Introducing the world to my three year old. Reintroducing my six year old to experiences. Yes. Another one, you doing a big camping trip. You say you're super excited to create new memories to finally be all together. Yes! Another one of you said, I can't wait to ride my Harley down to the States. Yes. You going to Sturgis? I wonder how cool would that be? I've always wanted to go to Sturgis. One of you says, can't wait for your wedding. You say you waited an extra year. We're excited for you. How cool is that? And another one of you, we ask, you know, we ask anything else, right? We just leave it blank, ask you to fill in the blanks yourself. You say as excited as you are about getting outside, you're moving slowly. You say my three year old already has tummy aches when we do too much. I want him to experience stuff but he needs time to adjust. Another one of you said, let's be patient and kind to everyone we encounter this summer. No matter where we go, no matter what we do, something as simple as smiling at a stranger can change their day. I love that somebody took the time to write that. Another one of you said, you know what, to be honest, I'm still iffy on being out in public. We don't really know what the COVID numbers are. I have a baby at home I need to protect. I'm so sick of COVID, but I'm going to feel awful if my little one gets sick. Don't blame you at all. There's no right or wrong answer here. You can send us your thoughts on what you've just heard to talk at Ryan Jesperson. You know, speaking of positivity, speaking of filling buckets and random acts of kindness and paying it forward and all that cool stuff, every Monday, our friends at Kubi Energy present positive reflections. And as mentioned, today we've called an audible and we're (laughs) doing this one last minute. And Peter from Wainwright sent this in. It just goes to show it's never too late to email the show. We can get stuff in, and we always want to be up to the minute. This is an amazing story. It's a sad story, but it's a beautiful story. This reported in the Denver Post. And, Peter, thanks for sharing it. I want to introduce you to these two fellas. This is Kyle Stark on the left sitting on Santa's lap. May he rest in peace. And that's his buddy Ryan Clark wearing the Landeskog jersey sitting on Santa's lap. He's on our right there. Well, Kyle passed away. These two are the best of friends. Used to go to Avs games together all the time. Kyle passed away suddenly, unexpectedly, this past December. And so his his buddy, Ryan, at the memorial service, was gifted a, a portion of Kyle's ashes from his mom. He said, I think you're going to know what to do with this. Uh, you know, honor your pal. Honor your best buddy. Honor the guy that you used to watch those Avs games with in, in some special way, and, and so... Uh, Ryan knew exactly what he had to do, so he called it Operation Kyle, and he attended an Avs game on the eighth of January against the Maple Leafs. His his pal had been gone for just about two weeks at this time, just under three weeks. And when the Zamboni was going around the ice, this made my jaw drop when you told <laughs> me this. He runs up to the boards, he gets his hand over the board over the glass, and he sprinkles the ashes onto the ice. <sighs> oh. Right before the Zamboni goes over, integrating them into the new surface, right? Incredible. It
1: timed perfectly.
0: Timed it you perfectly. Outside. So this usher comes down and is like, What did you just do? He goes he goes, What did you just throw on the ice? And he goes, My buddy. And the usher goes, apparently according to him, the usher says, Um, I would have done the same thing. I don't blame you, but the cops do want to talk to you. And he goes, Well as long as I'm not getting arrested, that's fine. He says, I, I just don't want to get arrested. So long story short, he gets kicked out of the game. He gets a letter from the Avs that he's no longer welcome to attend games this season. And this is a tough one because he's a diehard fan and they're going to win the Stanley Cup. Right. That's... But he says he wouldn't change a thing at Ball Arena. He says, I would never take it back. He says that he's been looking up to his buddy. He says he's been talking to Kyle. Kyle. When the abs have needed help through the playoff run, when they've needed an overtime goal, for example, game one of the cup final, the lightning rally, do you remember to tie it at three? Of course. And Ryan's phone buzzed, and it was Stacy. it was Kyle's mom. And she texted, and she said, Kyle needs to help us out. And, and he texted back, I was thinking the exact same thing. And 83 seconds into overtime, Andre Burakovsky scores for the abs and they win game one. And and Ryan texts Stacy, texts Kyle's mom and says, he heard us. He absolutely heard us. And they say, kicking ash and taking names. <laughs> Kyle's helping the abs win their first cup. May he rest in peace. The story of a true friend, Ryan, who's watching games from home. But still, says he'd do it all over again. You can send us your positive reflection to talk at ryanjesperson.com. It's presented by Kuby Energy. Kubi Energy.ca is where you can get your free quote for solar. Tomorrow is National Indigenous Peoples Day. And we're going to mark it by talking to movers and shakers, talking to Indigenous people in Canada making major contributions in their own orbit to, to further a cause or to better themselves that includes the ceo of indigenous tourism alberta Shay bird human rights advocate chevy rabbit's going to join us plus sage moran's going to tell us about her new pro wrestling career it's an unbelievable story i can't wait for you to hear it real talkers that's coming up tomorrow be good to each other today thanks for watching one love
2: Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson, executive producer Josh Dunford, technical producer John Hicks, general manager Katie Cook Shivers, account coordinator Lawrence Derlego, human resources Lena Shepard, website design Mike Johnston, voiceover by me Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Sapria Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Brandy Morin, Anne Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill